Good morning, Flagstone family. Thanks for joining us online this morning. Thank you to all our guests that are joining us as well. We're going to start off a little bit different uh, than what we have um, the last few weeks. Well, I guess last week was a little bit different as well. We started off with our uh, Senior Sunday celebration. I'm glad that for those of you that were able to participate in that, glad you joined us for that. But this morning, we want to take a minute before we get into our singing, our communion, our time of the Word, and just uh, be mindful of what a special day tomorrow is. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. And our church family has a tradition of celebrating that, or at least making mention of that, making sure that, that we're aware, maybe even reminded of what an important um, occasion that is. And Memorial Day is one of those things in our country where we, where we take a few minutes, maybe the entire day, uh, to celebrate the freedom that we have because of men and women who have given their lives in defense of that freedom. And I don't know how you choose to celebrate it. Uh, you may go uh, put flowers on a gravestone in a cemetery. You may go have a, a cookout. You may go to a Memorial Day parade. I don't even know if they're going to have those with all the uh, pandemic things that we have going on now. You may just have a moment of silence uh, for yourself. You may tune into some specials that are on TV. You're going to take some time, hopefully tomorrow, to be still for a minute and to be thankful, not just for the country that we live in, for the freedoms that we share, but for the people who have provided those things for us, especially those who lost their lives in that process. You know, Memorial Day, it's interesting. It, it started 150 years ago, uh, right after the Civil War. There were uh, people from the North and people from the South who would go out in the spring and they would take flowers and they would decorate the graves of fallen soldiers from the Civil War. And that tradition just kind of continued to build and continued to grow and became official, an official holiday later on. But the reason that those folks went out and did that and, and started that tradition is because they didn't want to forget those men and women who had given their lives, who had sacrificed their lives uh, in, in that battle, in that, in that war. And, and that tradition has continued. And, and it wasn't just that they didn't want for themselves to forget, they wanted other people to remember. They wanted other people to be mindful of my son, my father, my brother, someone that was close to me, my close friend, gave his life so that we could have the freedom that we have. And I don't want, I don't want to forget that, and I don't want you to forget that. That's why Memorial Day started in the first place. And that's why we continue to hold to that tradition today. It's interesting, if you go back in the Bible, back to one of the earlier books of the Bible, the book of Joshua, some events that happened there you know, thousands of years ago, when uh, God's people, when He brought them out of slavery in Egypt, brought them uh, towards this land they call the Promised Land, this land uh, of Canaan that's flowing with milk and honey. They've been in slavery for 400-something years. They're, they're coming through the wilderness. They spend 40 years wandering around in the desert in the wilderness, and they finally come... To the, to the banks of the Jordan River, and they're looking across at this lush land that, that God says, I'm going to give this to you. How do we get thousands upon thousands of people across this river? And God says, I got that. Don't worry. And he has his priests that are, that are carrying this Ark of the Covenant, this golden box that kind of represents God's presence. And they come, they step their toes into the water, and as soon as their feet hit the water, the water stops. This, this amazing river that's flowing at the time at flood stage completely stops. And the rest of the water goes flowing down and it's just dry land. And thousands of Israelites cross over uh, the dry Jordan riverbed uh, into this land that God was giving them. And before the, the priests came all the way across and came up uh, out of what would become the river again, God told uh, Joshua, the leader of the, of the Israelites, to select some guys to go get 12 huge stones and go pile them up um, in the river. And that's what they did. They got these huge stones and they piled them up 
And then as soon as the priest came out, the water started flowing again. But God told him, this is the reason that I want you to do that. I want these stones to be a constant reminder for you of what happened here today. You were slaves, and I brought you to freedom. You couldn't do these things for yourselves, and, and, and I provided this for you, and I kept my promise to you. And I want you to constantly be reminded of that. And he says, every time that you're walking by these stones, I want you to be reminded of what I did for you, of, of the freedom that you have now because of me, because of, of what I chose to do for you, because I love you that much. He says, even generations from now, when you're talking to your kids, your grandkids, and they can walk in mind, they see this giant pile of rocks, and they say, Dad, Papa, why are those rocks there? You tell them. You tell them what I did. You tell them what, what God did for His people. And you tell them what it used to be like to be slaves and what it feels like now to be free. Don't forget what I did for you. Be reminded every time you see those stones. Similar principle for us tomorrow on Memorial Day. When we see, maybe physically see, the gravestone of a fallen soldier. When we see that on TV. When we hear... People will talk about the memories of, of family members or friends that they lost in, in battle. Be reminded of what God has done for us. With the blessings we have in being in this country, with the blessings we have, the freedoms that we have of being in the, in the communities that we live in, and the people who help provide that for us by sacrificing their lives so we could live the best life. It's not that we're worshiping these soldiers. It's not that we're holding them up as gods and goddesses. It's just a moment to be still and to remember. When I look at that stone, that gravestone, I'm reminded of what somebody else did for me. So let's take a minute to celebrate that together this morning. We're going to watch a quick video. Uh, taps is going to be played, and I invite you when, we're, when, when you see and hear Taps, uh, being played, to just kind of be still for a minute. If you got kids, kind of gather them close and, and let's be mindful of and respectful of those who have given their lives for our country. And then I'll wrap us up with a prayer and we'll continue on with our worship. Thank you again for celebrating the sacrifices that have been given for us uh, together this morning. Extraordinary men and women went before us with unmatched resilience, enduring hardship when called upon to defend and liberate. They said yes. They found courage to rise with every sun, loyalty toward their country, discipline for every command. Even in the darkest hours, they said yes. They cherished and fought for freedom, so those coming behind them were assured of it. And when the moment came for them to give it all, their futures never to be written, they said, yes. Today, we think upon their sacrifice and find our way to honor them, saying yes to making the most of what they gave us and filling the earth with God's goodness. We thank them for their yes. They will never be forgotten.
Thank you for a few minutes of celebration with us and, and memorial with us. Let's take a minute to pray together. Almighty God, thank you. Thank you so much for this country. And we know that you love this entire world. We know that you love all people in all countries. And we, we, we recognize that, that you love us. God, you have provided so many blessings in this country. And we have a habit sometimes of not even paying attention to those things or thinking that, that we do those things for ourselves or even complaining that we don't have enough blessings. God, you have, you have opened the heavens and given us blessing upon blessing. And we thank you for that. And, and today, God, we, we thank you especially for the men and women who serve in our military who consistently give their time, their effort, their energy, who sacrifice time with their families, who sacrifice time on, in their workplaces, who sacrifice the times that they could be doing things that they would rather do so that they could provide freedom for us. Thank you for those men and women that do that. May they feel honored today, and especially those, God, that we will celebrate tomorrow during Memorial Day, who have sacrificed their lives, who didn't get to come home, who haven't gotten to continue experiencing all the freedoms that we get to experience because of their sacrifice. We thank you for them, God. Help us not to forget. Help us to constantly remember what they did for us, what you continue to do for us. We thank you for them. We praise you for being our God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Flagstone family. Hey, let's worship together. Let us worship the Father, worship the Father, worship the Father of glory. Let us worship the Father, worship the Father, worship the Father of love. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. Sing your praise to the Father, praise to the Father, praise to the Father of glory. Sing your praise to the Father, praise to the Father, praise to the Father of love. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. Lift your hands to the Father, hands to the Father, hands to the Father of glory. Lift your hands to the Father, hands to the Father, hands to the Father of love. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. And we will glorify, we will glorify the Lord. In need of grace, in need of love, in need of mercy raining down from high above. In need of strength, in need of peace, in need of things that only you can give to me. In need of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge strong, the great I am.
song, my humble plea. I am your child, I am in need, in need of grace, in need of love, in need of mercy raining down from high above, in need of strength, in need of peace, in need of things that only you can give to me, in need of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge strong, the great I am, this is my song, my humble plea, I am your child, I am in need, in need of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge Good morning, Flagstone family. As we're moving into our thoughts of communion, I just want to share a quick story with you all. Uh, today, uh, Marshall is going to be talking to us uh, about friendships and relationships and what those look like. And as I'm thinking about something like that, I'm thinking about a club initiation process that I went through uh, as a freshman at Harding University. Uh, now, these social clubs are made up of guys and girls uh, that basically just go out, have fun, enjoy and fellowship and, and enjoy uh, just time together. Uh, but there was an initiation process to get into these clubs. And in our initiation process for the club that I joined, uh, we went to Camp Dakota. And we stayed up all night long uh, and we were told to do all kinds of weird and ridiculous things. But one of those things was that they divided us up into groups of three or four and they gave us a tractor tire, uh, maybe a couple more than three or four. They gave us a tractor tire and they gave, they gave all of us tractor tires and they said, here's the deal, we're you guys have to put the tractor tire up above your shoulders and you can't let it drop. And so we did that and then they said, man, you're gonna run, uh, you're gonna walk with this, with this tractor tire to the end of the end zone, all the way back to the other end, the end zone, this football field that was there. And you guys are gonna do that as many times as we tell you to. As many times as we tell you to. And so we're thinking, okay, let's go. But so as we were doing that, we're sitting there and we've got this tractor tire on us and some of us, some of us are holding it awkwardly from the sides and holding it from the front and back and just trying not to drop it. And this thing is heavy. This thing is heavy. And so we're sitting there and, and all of us are, are grunting and we're slowly walking and then turning around and coming back and stuff. And as we're doing that, you would think that these older members that are asking us to do it, they're like, come on, like, keep going. Like, you better not drop that. You better not do that. Although they're doing that, at the same time, after about four or five complete laps back and forth, back and forth, four or five complete laps of that, 
the older guys are saying, do you need help? Do you need help? Tell me if you need help right now. Tell me if you need help right now. And some of us that were brave enough to be like, yes, yes, I do need help. I can't do this on my own. And you know what these older members did? They pushed us out of the way and they took that load on themselves. Instead of us in the initiation process, you know, just kind of being the lower level that they were putting all of this weight on us to carry on ourselves, they themselves took it on them whenever we asked for help. In the middle of all of that, we were chanting this verse from Proverbs 27, 17, and it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so what they would do is they would say, as iron sharpens iron, and we would say, so one man sharpens another. And they would do that over and over and over again. And man, that moment out of that whole night sticks so it's, it's just there in my head, clear as day. And I realized how beautiful that moment was because I think that I understood what real friendship looked like in that moment. Because we're sitting there with this weight on our shoulders and they're asking us, do you need help? And whenever we say yes, they come and they take that weight themselves and walk down and back and forth. Now, I can't even tell you how many times we walk back and forth. But as we're thinking about communion, and as we're thinking about friendships and relationships today, I realized that Jesus was the person that took that to the farthest conclusions that could be. You see, as we're sitting here with the weight of sin on our back and we're, we're trying to manage it and we're trying to go back and forth and just do whatever the world is telling us and we've got this here, Jesus says, man, do you need help? Do you need assistance? Do you want me to take that from you? And if we say yes, he doesn't come and just take part of the load and then ask us to come back and carry it again. Jesus asks us to step away and he takes the full load and continues to go. While we are there free without any load up on us, without any uh, weights on our shoulders. And that's what he does. That's what real friends do. And that's what Jesus says. He says, man, real friends die for each other. Real friends will go to the ends of the earth to hold each other's weights. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. In 1 John chapter 4, I'm just going to read a couple of verses, starting in verse 7. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us. And he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. As we're thinking about communion today, think about that. Through the cross, our God has taken our load, has taken our weight as a true friend, has taken that away from us so that we can live free and so that we can be with him in paradise. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for taking that. God, for taking that on your shoulders, for taking our sins away from us so that we can be free. Help us to think about that today as we think about communion, as we take your, uh, the bread uh, and this cup of juice, and to remember the sacrifice that you made for us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Faithful love flowing down from the thorn-covered crown Makes me whole, saves my soul, washes whiter than snow Faithful love calms each fear, reaches down, dries each tear, holds my hand when
when I can't stand on my own. Faithful love from above came to earth to show the Father's love. And I'll never be the same, for I've seen faithful love face to face. And Jesus is his name. Faithful love is a friend just when hope seems to end. Welcome face, sweet embrace, tender touch filled with grace. Faithful love, endless power, living flame, spirit's fire, burning bright in the night, guiding my way. Faithful love from above came to earth to show the Father's love. And I'll never be the same, for I've seen faithful love face to face, and Jesus is his name. to earth to show the Father's love, and I'll never be the same, for I've seen faithful love face to face, and Jesus is his name. Good morning again, Flagstone family. Appreciate you worshiping with us today. I miss worshiping with you in person, but I'm, I'm glad that we're able to continue to provide this, this ministry and this time of worship together online. Um, I've been doing some thinking, you know, I don't know how many of you have watched the special that was on ESPN recently about the 1998 Chicago Bulls basketball team. I've been, I watched every single episode, loved it because that was one of my uh, favorite teams. And I watched a lot of those games and was very in tune to what was happening uh, then, um, that same year in 1998 was also the historic home run race between uh, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. So I don't even know if you're aware of that or not, but baseball was kind of struggling. There weren't a whole lot of fans. And then these two guys were basically taking turns, hitting, you know, chasing the record for the most home runs in a single season. That happened in the summer of 1998 after the whole um, Chicago Bulls championship. So 1998 was, was a big year as far as sports is concerned. And I had at that time, in, in that year, I guess, I had a subscription to Sports Illustrated magazine. So I had magazines that were dedicated to uh, some of these historic sporting events. Um, I don't have those magazines anymore. As a matter of fact, uh, I got rid of them just a few weeks ago. They've been, I didn't have the whole year's worth, but I, I had held on to some from that particular year, and they had been collecting dust in a box in a storage unit uh, for the last, I don't know how many years. Uh, we had a storage unit that we were renting that had, uh, you know, Christmas decorations and um, old family heirlooms and some things like that, that that Christy and I were keeping in it. And, you know, just earlier this, I guess last summer actually, um, 
we decided to kind of downsize some stuff, and, and we decided we don't need that storage anymore, and let's get rid of some things because we're not actually using them anymore. And so uh, we went through a process of cleaning all that out and, and, and not renting that storage anymore, which is great. That helped out our family. But the hard part for me was getting rid of some of the stuff that was in the storage unit, including this box of random Sports Illustrated magazines from 1998 that I haven't looked at since probably 1998. But these are historic events, and, and, you know, there's articles about Michael Jordan and about, you know, Mark McGuire, and I, I, I knew that I was going to come back to those magazines one day. I just didn't want to throw them away, and so I, so I held on to them. Even when we cleaned out the storage unit, we don't have any more, that box stayed in our garage until a few weeks ago. And I finally, I finally was able to let go. I was finally able to get rid of it. Now, I share that with you because there's a big difference between uh, my wife, Christy, and I. Christy is able to let go of things. Uh, and, and I don't mean that in a harsh way. She just, you know, if, if, if we haven't used it in a while, if we're not going to use it, if it's obsolete, if it's broken, whatever, then let's be done with it. Let's get something that works. Let's get something new. Let's get something improved. Let's get something that we're actually going to use that actually has a practical purpose. I'm not against that. I'm the same way, except that I kind of add some more categories into what we hold on to. If it had a significant memory for me, if it was a special time in my life, if I think that I'm going to use it someday, and you never know when you're going to need that one thing that I've never used before, but, but I might, I hold on to that kind of stuff. And when it comes to knowing when to let go of things, man, that's hard for me. It's hard for me to know, is this something to let go of? <clears throat> Excuse me, or is this something to hold on to? I need somebody to kind of help me through that process. Now, I share that with you because I think some of us struggle with not necessarily knowing what to do sometimes, but when to do those things. When do I need to uh, invest this money that I have? When do we need to sell our house and buy another one? When do I need to uh, buy a new car? When do I need to take my car in for repairs? When do I, um, I don't know, when do I have a conversation with somebody uh, about a job promotion. We, we have all these, all these um, situations in our lives where we know what we need to do. We know how we want to accomplish that. We're just not for sure if it's the right time or what, what, what criteria do I need to look at to know is this when this is supposed to happen. With those Sports Illustrated magazines, the win was a long time before I ever got rid of them. Are you using these things? No. Have you looked at them in the last uh, 20 years? No. Are you ever going to use them again? No. Do your kids want them? No. Are they worth anything? No. Probably should get rid of them. But I needed to kind of go through that process of, of looking at the different factors and criteria into, is this the right time to do this or not? Okay? Keep that kind of stuff in mind. I, I hope you can kind of be thinking about things, situations in your life where you think, is this the right time to make this decision, to make this choice to do something different as we are reminded of this uh, uh, series that we've been going through is simplify. Looking at complex things in our lives, looking at overwhelming, stressful things in our lives, and seeing if we can, seeing if we can simplify some of those things so they're not quite so complex, so they're not quite so overwhelming. Looking at some things that become complicated in our lives and, and, and seeing if we can uncomplicate those things a little bit. Whittle down some, some external factors to get to what really matters and what's really important. And we've been talking about this for several weeks. We're going to continue this morning talking about this same concept. When we talk about simplifying our relationships, and that may be a, a close friendship, that may be a church connection, a church relationship, that may be a dating relationship, 
Um, but going beyond just the superficial, yeah, I know who that person is. We kind of say hi to each other in the hallway or when our kids are at practice together. I'm talking about relationships, the people that I'm truly connected with. And, and maybe sometimes simplifying those things. Have you ever used a phrase or, or heard someone use a phrase when they're talking about a friendship or when they're talking about a day relationship? You go, how's that going? Eh, it's complicated. Why? You know, it, it, it could be all sorts of reasons. Uh, we have trouble communicating with each other. We have trouble getting along. We have different stressors that are causing different things. Uh, sometimes I don't want to be around this person. Sometimes I do. And it gets complicated. And this morning I want to talk about maybe how to simplify that a little bit. And looking at some of our relationships and, and kind of determining, is this a healthy relationship or not? Is this a growing relationship? Is this relationship something that I need to be a part of? Or does something need to change? Maybe it's just, are there some things I need to tweak a little bit? Do a little bit differently? Work on a little bit harder? Do I need to set some boundaries in this connection, this relationship? Maybe answering the question, do I need to walk away from this relationship? It's not healthy and it's not going to be. And I need to be done with it. Now, if you've been a part of this church family for a while, if you, um, then you know that I've, I've talked about uh, on more than one occasion about relationships and about healthy relationships. And, and um, even a couple of months ago, I mean, you can go back and, and look at a sermon series from a couple of months ago called Next Level Relationships. And that's one of the things I talked about is looking where this particular relationship is now and how can I take that to the next level. But a lot of times when I'm sharing those things with our church family, uh, I spend a lot of time talking about action steps. Here's how to take that relationship to the next level. Here's how to improve. Here's how to do something different. This morning, I want to kind of not so much focus on the actions themselves, because maybe many of us know, we know what to do. We know where to set boundaries. We know uh, uh, how to have conversations with our friends about a particular you know, a uh, uh, connection or relationship. We know how to do those kind of things. The bigger, the more complicated uh, part of that process might be for some of us knowing when to do that. Is this relationship that I'm in, is it healthy? Does something need to be different? Do I need to change or do I need to set some boundaries? Do I need to walk away? How, what, what, what kind of, what kind of health status does this relationship have? When is the right time to do something different about the relationship that I'm in. I want to hopefully simplify that process a little bit this morning. That's what we're going to talk about for just a few more minutes. And recognizing that there's some different factors that we can look at uh, in our relationships, whatever, again, whatever kind of relationship it is, whether it's a friendship, a dating relationship, maybe even a family uh, relationship, there's some things that we can look at that, that are kind of a litmus test, that are kind of a, 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 a screening process a process to go through to say, where is the status of our relationship with each other right now? And does something need to change? So I want you, if you got your Bibles uh, with you or, or a Bible app as you're watching this video, go to Ephesians. It's in the New Testament. It's a book called Ephesians. Uh, and go to chapter 4. Now, Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians, and he's talking to the church there, and he's giving them all sorts of different um, advice and, and things that, that, that they should be thinking about and doing differently or focusing on. And when he gets to chapter four, he kind of uh, switches gears a little bit and starts talking much more about their relationships and connections with each other. We're going to look towards the end of uh, Ephesians in chapter four, beginning in verse 25 and going through verse 32. And I'm not going to read all of that this morning, but if you've got your Bibles or your Bible apps, go ahead and be looking there. But even after this 
this part that we're going to look at this morning, Paul goes on to talk more about relationships. He talks about marriages. He talks about parents and kids. He talks about uh, work environments with bosses and employees. There's a lot of different things that he addresses as far as how we interact and deal with each other in relationships. But to set the stage for all that, here in chapter 4, beginning in verse 25, there's some principles, there's some factors that Paul shares with us. And not that Paul you know, starts out and says, okay, here are some relationship factors. But he just goes through different aspects of different relationships and going, is, if this is happening, something might need to be different. And that's what I want, to look, want us to look at together this morning. So these different factors in determining the health of, our, of, of a particular relationship. The first factor that we can look at here in Ephesians chapter 4 is the honesty factor. I can't have a healthy relationship if I'm not honest with you and if you're not honest with me, if one of us struggles to trust the other person, if one of us is always second guessing or doubting what the other person is saying or doing, if we, if we constantly have this, uh, this relationship, we're not being completely truthful with each other, we're hiding some things from each other, there's going to be problems. It's going to create tension uh, in that relationship. It's going to often create conflict. It's going to damage that connection. There's always going to be doubts that continue to eat away and erode at the, the steadfastness of that connection with each other. So Paul says this in Ephesians 4 and verse 25. He says, Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. Now, when this was originally written, it was originally written in this ancient Greek language that we've translated now into our modern-day English. And that phrase that we look at it says, put off falsehood. That phrase in the original Greek language wasn't wasn't a, it wasn't a word or phrase that meant don't lie, don't tell untruths. It was actually more about how you act. It was, you know, take off the mask, be real, be genuine, be sincere, don't be fake with each other. Paul says each of us needs to be genuine. We need to be real with this other person that we're in this relationship with. We need to be honest. We need to say what needs to be said. We don't need to lie. We don't need to speak in half-truths. We don't need to be manipulative. We need to be genuine and real. If I'm allowing you to see the real me and, and allowing you to hear the real me, that's going to be a blessing in this relationship. And if I can trust that you're being real and genuine with me, that relationship's going to grow. If, if the honesty factor has some problems, if I doubt that you're being very genuine and, and real, if I, if I think you're being fake, something may need to change about this relationship. So we need to pay attention to the honesty factor. We need to pay attention to the anger factor. Conflicts are almost inevitable in any relationship. Spend enough time together with somebody else and at some point something's going to go wrong. Somebody's going to say something that hurts the other person's feelings. Somebody's going to do something that hurts the other person's feelings. Mistakes are going to be made. There's going to be differences of opinions on how to handle different situations, how to see uh, things from different perspectives. And there's going to be conflict. It's unavoidable the longer that you stay connected with another person. The conflict itself is not a bad thing. Even getting angry because of the conflict is not in and of itself a bad thing. God has given us the emotion of anger to deal with things that cause us anger. That's not a, a, a bad thing. What Paul warns us against is how we handle that anger, what we do with that anger. And so that's why he says in verses 26 and 27, in your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So in this friendship, in this connection with this other person, what's the anger factor like? 
Do they lose their temper? Do they yell when they're angry? Do they hurt me? Do they hurt people that I care about? Do they, do they hold grudges? Do they hold on to their resentment and, and, and not address it? That could be an indicator that something's off with the anger factor in this relationship. And if this person that I am in this connection with consistently struggles with handling their anger in a healthy way, it may not be a healthy relationship and I may need to do something about it. There's also the give and take factor. I may need to explain that a little bit better. In every relationship, every relationship has certain amounts of give and take. I, I give my time, I give my energy, I give my focus, I give my emotions and my heart at different levels along the way, along the, the path of this relationship to this other person, and I take those things from them. Sometimes it's that person giving me their time and their energy and their focus. There's give and take in every relationship, and sometimes whatever this other person is going through requires me to give more. I need to give more of my time. I need to, to put some things off and pay more attention. I need to carefully choose my words. I need to figure out ways to serve that person, even if they don't have the ability to reciprocate that with me. But then I can also, in a healthy relationship, have an expectation that they care enough about me to do the same for me. There is give and there is take. So Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Now, obviously, Paul is talking about somebody physically taking something that doesn't belong to them, taking that from somebody else and taking it for themselves. But I believe, I believe that there's a principle here that applies to our friendships and our relationships, our family relationships, our dating relationships as well. Does this person that I'm connected to, do they rob me of peace? Do they steal my joy? Do they consistently demand my focus and my attention and my time and my energy, but they don't give me any of those things in return? They just take all that for themselves? Do I feel like I'm the one that is constantly giving in this relationship and it seems like this other person is, is never giving anything back? Then that person is stealing from me. They're robbing me of a healthy connection, a healthy relationship. And if that's the case, if the give and take factor is not what it should be, I may need to do something different about that relationship. I can also look at the criticism factor. Let's be honest. None of us like to be criticized. And there are some of us like, oh, I can handle it. People can say whatever they want to. Yeah, that's great talk. It's not true. None of us like to be criticized. We don't like any kind of criticism. We especially don't like criticism from people that we, <laughs> that we care about, even if they have the best intentions in mind. Even if they recognize something that needs to improve about us or about the job we're doing, we still don't like it. Now, we might listen to it and we might do something about it, that constructive criticism, but we still hate hearing it. But let's take that a step further. What if this person in this relationship that I'm with is always critical? What if it feels like there's never anything that they compliment me, compliment me about? They don't focus on any of my good characteristics. They don't point those things out. They don't celebrate the, the good things about me. It's constant criticism and constant judgment. And maybe, maybe as I'm looking at that, maybe that's me labeling it as this is constant and it's really not constant. I need to be honest with myself about that. But as I look at this connection that I have with this other person, how much do they criticize me? How much do they seem to focus on my flaws and the times that I messed up and the mistakes that I've made compared to how much they tell me what they appreciate about me, how much they recognize the good things that I do, 
the victories that I have? Am I constantly living in this, in this what I feel like this environment of, of criticism? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. How much of this person's talk with me, how much of this person's words towards me tear me down as compared to how much of their words build me up? If I'm constantly being torn down by this other person, if I'm constantly the, the recipient of criticism, something may need to change about this relationship. Something may need to be different. And I need to pay attention to that factor. I also need to pay attention to the forgiveness factor. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 that we need to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I want you to think for a minute how much God has forgiven you of. How many mistakes have you made in your life? How many things have you done that you said you would never do it again and then you went and did it again? How many things have you done in your life that you hope nobody ever finds out about? How many, how many times did you see the right choice to make and you made the wrong choice? How many times have you said something that was hurtful to someone else? How many times have, have, have how many sins have you committed in your lifetime? Paul says here, God has forgiven you of all those things. He has completely wiped the slate clean. That is amazing grace and amazing love for God to look at, at my entire life. And all the flaws and all the mistakes and all the shortcomings and all the failures and all the things that I wish I could have done different and all the times that even when I replay some of those events in my mind, if I had a remote and I could hit pause and stop it from happening, I would, but I can't. It happened. I did it. And God says, I don't even remember any of it because I've wiped the slate clean with the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. You are completely forgiven. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to see any of those things when I see you. All I'm going to see is my dearly love child who is covered with the perfect blood of my son Jesus and that's all I'm going to focus on what amazing grace and compassion our God has for us and here's what Paul says you need to try to have that kind of grace and compassion for people in your life you don't need to focus on the flaws you don't need to focus on the mistakes you can acknowledge them you can work on them but you don't need to dwell on them and don't hold those things over somebody else's head. Don't keep bringing up the past. Don't keep focusing on the failures and the, and, and the screw-ups. Forgive. Wipe the slate clean, just like God did for you. Now, I can't remove somebody else's sin. Only Jesus Christ can do that through his blood, but I can, I can forgive. I can keep from continually holding that person guilty for whatever it is that they've done to me. What about this person that I'm in this relationship with? How quick are they to forgive? Do they consistently bring up the past? Do they focus on, on the times that I've hurt them, that I've done the wrong thing? Do they only seem to focus on the negative and, and do they seem to never wipe the slate clean, forgive, let go? If that's the case, then something may need to change about this relationship. Need, may need to do something different because of the forgiveness factor because of the lack of the forgiveness factor. 
And these are just some of the things that Paul shares here in Ephesians chapter 4 that I look at this morning. I hope, hope that you can see there's all these different factors that he talks about in our relationships that we can look at and go, this is how I can at least begin to tell. Does something need to be different in the, in the connection of the relationship that I'm in with this person? Is it healthy? Could it be healthier? Are there some boundaries I need to set? Is this a time where things are not going to improve? I'm looking at these different factors and knowing this is the way it's always going to be, and I might need to walk away. So I don't really, you know, with this church family, you guys know I always have some kind of action steps. And the action steps this morning are, are really simple. I mean, take an honest look at all of your relationships, but especially the ones that, that you might be concerned about. Take, it, take a sincere, honest look at it. Is this person sincere and genuine with me? Does she lose her temper with me easily? Does it seem like uh, I'm always giving time and energy to him and he's not giving that back to me? Do I constantly feel criticized and critiqued and judged? How often is this person willing to forgive me? Does this person treat me with kindness and compassion or with contempt and anger? However you choose to answer may determine what you need to do about that. So take an honest look at that connection, that relationship, and then take action. Use your words. Have a conversation. Sit down and have a cup of coffee with that person. Hey, let's talk about this. There's some things I'm concerned about. And, and do it in a non-judgmental way, a loving way. I want to stay in this connection, this relationship, but here's some things I recognize that could be better. What about you? Set some boundaries if you need to. Maybe you need to spend less time around this person, or at least if I know that this person acts this way when we're in this situation, then let's avoid this situation. Maybe you need to walk away from that relationship altogether. I'm not telling you you have to, but that may be the best thing for you. Because this, this connection is robbing you of the life that God wants you to have. So take action. Do something with the information that you have when you look at these different factors in this relationship. And I would invite you even to go back, uh, go on our YouTube channel, on the Flagstone YouTube channel, go back to our Next Level Relationship series and look through some of those things. Look through some of the actions that we talked about there. You can go back a little bit further to our broken uh, series because we talked about broken relationships. What if I'm in this connection and it is broken? What do I do? What are some actions I can take? I invite you to go back and, and look at some of those things. And hopefully some of the things that, that we've shared together this morning have been beneficial. Hopefully you've been able to get maybe, a, maybe the beginnings of a simple method, a simple process to look at the health of this relationship that you're in, whether it's a friendship, a dating relationship, maybe even your family dynamics. We talked about all these different factors um, to look for in this other person. I want to I leave you with one thought this morning. All these different traits that we can look at and, and try to pay attention to about this person that I'm in this relationship with. But you know, as we talk about looking at the health of a relationship, Jesus, Jesus says, I'm not going to start by looking at the other person. I'm going to start by looking right here. I want to look in the mirror. So when we're talking about these different factors, when we're talking about the honesty factor and the anger factor, the give and take factor, the criticism factor, the forgiveness factor, how do I measure up in those, in those categories? How forgiving am I? How much do I criticize and critique this other person? How honest and genuine am I? How do I handle my anger? How much am I pouring of myself into this connection, this relationship, and how much do I find myself really being the one that's just taking and stealing from this other person? Jesus says this in, in Luke chapter 6 and verse 31. He says, Do to others 
as you would have them do to you. You want to have someone be genuine and honest with you? Then be that genuine and honest with them. You want to have someone who handles their anger in a, in a, in a positive way, in a non-hurtful way? Then be the one to set that standard in that relationship. You want to be the one to, to uh, not have to experience criticism? You want, you want to experience forgiveness? Then be the one who forgives. Be the one who lets go of things. I want to start right here. I want to start with, with me, with my heart. See what needs to be different about me so that I can have a better perspective on what needs to change with us. I hope that helps you this morning. Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to worship, to sing praises to your name, to spend time in your word, to be reminded, God, of, of these factors, these, these, these processes that we can go through to take an honest look at, at any relationship that we're in. Recognizing, God, that you, you have done these things perfectly for us. That you are always honest with us. That you never lose your anger lose your temper with us, that you treat us with compassion and mercy, that you are consistently giving to us and pouring, pouring out blessings on us, that you, that you are, are so slow to criticize and so quick to praise. You set the standard for us in how to have a truly deep and healthy and blessed relationship. Help us to seek that with each other. Help us to be those kinds of people for each other. Help us to be willing to, um, to, to set boundaries in a relationship, change some things in a relationship, maybe even walk away from a relationship that is keeping us from experiencing that kind of connection. But God, we thank you most of all for loving us no matter what, for forgiving us no matter what, for showing us what true love is, because of your son, Jesus. We ask for your help and your spirit to guide us in all of our connections and relationships. May we consistently do to others what we would have them do to us. Maybe even more, God, may we consistently do to others what we know you would do for them. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before the world was made, before you spoke it to be, you were the king of kings, yes you were, yes you were, and now you're reigning still, enthroned above all things, angels and saints cry out, we join them as we sing, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever. to God, glory to God forever. Creator God, you gave me breath so I could praise your great and matchless name all my days, all my days. So let my whole life be a blazing offering, a life that shouts and sings the greatness of our King. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever. to God, glory to 
it be all for you and for your glory take my life and let it be yours take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory take my life and let it be yours we sing glory to god glory to god glory to god forever to God, glory to God forever. Hey Flagstone, thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Uh, we're really glad that you joined us. Uh, if you're from Flagstone or from the greater Arkansas area, we're glad that you are here with us as well. So we're excited about the things that are happening here in the future. Yep. Uh, today actually is our intern's first day. Ah, uh, so they're yes. here. They're not here, they're but not, they're, they're not here. here they're they're here. They're, they're around. Here. They're, <laughs> they're, here. they're near, nearby. They're nearby. Yes. Uh, and they are really excited to be able to start hanging out with our teens, hopefully uh, in some smaller group settings. Mm -hmm. And so uh, to mention that too, the Flagstone teens are starting to do some uh, meeting in groups in a small limited fashion, all COVID-19 approved. Uh, so if you're wondering about what that's going to look like, definitely look at the Flagstone teens social media or be looking for uh, things on the future. Uh, this summer is going to be different. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a good summer. Uh, but it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I have no idea what it's going to look like, but man, exactly. it's going to be yeah. fantastic. The calendar is a little, uh, but you know yeah. what? It's going to be fantastic. So yeah. please be praying for our interns, be praying for our teens. Uh, and this team ministry, we're really, really excited about what this summer has uh, for us as well. Absolutely. And just to keep you guys uh, aware, we are still looking forward to June the 7th being our time uh, to meet together as a church family. Now, as of right now, we're going to have to have some, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some, some kind of uh, precautions, I guess, in place to make that happen. And we're finalizing that kind of stuff. We're going to communicate that to you as soon as possible. So just want you to know, you know, work is still being done, uh, and we're planning on being together in some form or fashion on June the 7th. If that needs to change, we'll let you know. How that's going to happen, we'll let you know. Just hang with us, okay? Hope you have a great Memorial Day uh, tomorrow. I hope you get to, I don't know, cook out, go to the lake, sleep late, whatever it is that you do to celebrate <laughs> Memorial Day, and take a minute just to be thankful to those who have given so much for us. So thank you for joining us uh, for worship this morning. Have a great rest of the week. Love you guys and miss you. Appreciate it.